Well, hi, everybody. This is Kevin Stevenson, and you're tuned in to I Don't Care With Me. And uh, I'm sure you're like me. You've got a lot of, uh, you've got a, a lot of election fatigue. Uh, at the, this time, while we're recording, we still don't know what's going on at the top of the ballot. Uh, it, it's been a crazy week. It, it, frankly, it's been a crazy year, as we all know. But uh, uh, hopefully, whenever there are some decisions made, uh, we'll, we'll have some experts on I Don't Care to talk about any changes in healthcare policy that could be coming uh, over the next uh, term. So uh, today we have uh, posed some questions to Mary Ellen Bellavo, who's the CEO of Knowledge to Practice or K2P. Uh, they deal with education in the healthcare space, primarily to physicians uh, and other healthcare professionals. And so when we come back, uh, we'll be talking with Mary Ellen on a wide variety of topics regarding healthcare education. Uh, today, we're going to talk a little bit about uh, healthcare education. Uh, interesting topic, uh, whether it be healthcare professionals or, or whatever. So the first question that we received was, you know, there's a, a, a really an urgent need to educate physicians on a wide variety of topics, and it's really difficult to be able to do that correctly. So how do you propose to, to be able to present that, edu that educational piece to physicians and other healthcare professionals uh, in a way that's a little bit different from the traditional methods that have kind of fall fallen flat. You know, as your listeners may or may not know, physicians, part of their Hippocratic Oath is to sign on to being lifelong learners. So sort of the postgraduate medical education is how they maintain their licensure and credentials, but more importantly, really how they keep their skills up with the rate of development, which has gotten faster and faster through the decades. So the rate in which new compounds, new disease states are, are identified and new devices are developed is exceptionally, exceptionally fast these days. And it's almost impossible for a physician to keep up. So the postgraduate space is a whole different, whole different approach than, um, than the graduate space or undergraduate space for sure. Even though on some level, there's awareness that the postgraduate medical education space and the approach to it is antiquated. The keen awareness or, or sense that they have accountability for it at the executive level is not really there. So they do exactly like you do. Our physicians are all experts. They've all passed their boards. They continue to maintain their credentials. And you know, there's, there's flaws within that and the skill inequity in healthcare where our physicians have lives in their hands is actually one of the worst verticals in the marketplace. Wow. And it's not their fault. They, they care and want to do the very best for their patients. And they're very smart people. It's that with this shift to accountable care, their administrative duties has, has, have become a huge part of their day job. Also a, a source of job dissatisfaction. Um, and in, in addition to that, think about the rate of technology development in general. So the rate of, of pipeline development from pharmaceutical companies and device companies and better, deeper research on various disease states and getting smarter on those is exponentially farther, faster. So they're saying, 
the rate of medical knowledge these days doubles every 73 days. That's why education is so critical in the postgraduate space. At this point, someone's got to be able to distill down the literature, identify what's real, what needs to be impacting care, and delivering it in a meaningful way to those practicing physicians so they can access it on the go. This concept of oh, that course interests me and it happens to be in Hawaii and I'm going to go to a one-size-fits-all course, just does not deliver value back into the healthcare system. The next question today is about how education specialists and medical experts come together uh, to create a, a personalized type of learning experience for the physicians that is amenable to physician schedules and allows them to, to gain the information that they're looking for in the most efficient way. Creating intrinsic desires is it critical to driving engagement. So for us, physicians are competitive and they wanna give their patients the very best care they can. So oftentimes it's a matter of giving them perspective. And so the question is, how can you give them that perspective? So we have a couple different tools. We use formative and summative assessments, as you would assume, and we also um, do a lot of applied learning. For I, I always ask myself, why is it in this postgraduate space, if apprenticeship models, right, were so strong in fellowships and residencies, why does it suddenly end? The rate of development doesn't end. There's still new things for someone that's 30 years into their practice. Why, why would that concept end? And, and for whatever reason, the postgraduate space really wasn't good at thinking about how do we deliver applied learning to those folks that um, you know, have already passed the boards. And so we, we rely heavily on that applied learning and the ability to reflect on what we did, perform in a, an evaluation or a differential diagnosis on maybe 10 different patients submit that and then watch an expert in the field do a differential diagnosis on those 10. We don't ever tell you if you're right or wrong. They don't need us to tell them that. They need to reflect and say, what was the expert thinking? What was I thinking? That's where the real work and the self-awareness comes to bear. And they can decide, what am I going to adopt from the thought leader? Or how am I going to adopt what that thought leader does to my patient profile or to my culture that exists in my hospital or my processes, right? They're smart enough to put those pieces together. You just got to give them the perspective in a safe zone for them. So we really, assessments are key. You know, actually it's interesting. A lot of providers in the marketplace purely provide question banks as a way for physicians to learn. They, they you know, a lot of people consider, you know, sort of formative assessments and summative assessments as being learning in themselves. Mm. Um, and so, you know, um, we, we do a bit of it all. And, um, and um, you know, in that way, you'll see in the, in our sort of, um, in our pre-test, the physician is able to go into specific areas and they're quickly able to see how am I performing relative to what my medical specialty board considers competent in this specific topic area? Okay. And how am I comparing longitudinally? to the other physicians in my healthcare system or across the nation. Those two perspectives really helps them say, 
oh my God, I had no idea. As soon as there's, oh my God, and, and we have studies within, within our work to show the rate of engagement and improvement from pretest to post-test is remarkable for those people that take the time to go through the pretest and then um, take the post-test. You know, another thing you would assume would be a baseline um, in education and healthcare, things like the design and weighting of the curriculum go back to the academicians that they've never gone across the hallway to the School of Education and had a conversation about how do you do that? What is curriculum? Instead, they say, I've got this great faculty member that just did this study, was asked to go over to Europe. He just did a lecture. Let's invite him and this guy over here. Let's fly over to Hawaii and have a course. They call the topic areas whatever they want. They're not relative to the medical specialty board. There's gaps and overlap, redundancies, and it's a one-size-fits-all for an audience. And, and then the online version of that is taking those lectures, and when there's a breath, I've chunked it into a space because there was a breath. There's no right. logical, that's one learning objective. This piece should stand alone. And of course, another topical question uh, that uh, that physicians are always uh, wanting to hear more information about is really making sure you know how how do you get information to physicians uh, regarding COVID, uh, giving them up to date information, and how can you do that in an impactful fashion? You know, we, we saw in the beginning of the year, a lot of um, the academics really fearful that the rate of development was even getting out of reach to the, to the academicians that are so specialized, right? And, yeah. and how do we think about it? And what's our job? And how do we make sure everyone's keeping up with everything that they need to keep up with? So that was an interesting start point for us. But once COVID hit and all the live courses shut down and they became these painful you know, 60 minute online lectures that you could tolerate when they're in Hawaii and your wife's on the beach, <laughs> right? right? right. <laughs> um, and of course the networking component, but all of a sudden it's online and half the value prop is, is gone now. Um, it, it became scary. So it was interesting. Um, we actually had two clients that were clients of ours for our training program product that came to us and said, this product is fantastic. We actually we want it for our practicing physicians because we think if we have one common learning platform that is so accessible on the go, so everyone can sort of dip into what they need when they need it, we'll probably rise all boats. We, we hadn't thought of that, like how can we service the whole service line with our product suites? So we sort of took what we did for training programs and then we married it with our emerging medicine product, which is keeping up with the literature and every two weeks we're producing new pieces of content that they need to keep up with. And we, we were, were, were was able to sort of give both to them and, and to help them understand how and when to engage each product. And that was eye-opening for us. Um, the second piece was um, our work with Intermountain and so many healthcare systems really looking to um, 
you know, sort of shift the ratio of their APPs, specifically their NPs to their MDs, and the fact that APPs don't have training programs, that they haven't generally really subspecialized, like there's no certification in cardiology. There is in oncology, but it's, it's really still early on. And um, really thinking, if I'm going to grow this fast, one, how can I get better at hiring? How can I get better at, at, um, at onboarding people, especially if I'm hiring someone right out of school, right? That yeah. practice when they're an RM, but not an NP. And, um, and also, how do I enable people from a mid-surge floor, for example, be able to be considered for a cardiovascular floor? And how do, how do I use this as a, once you get an 86, you can submit, you know, you can submit your resume for a step up from mid-surge to CV to the, we've had NPs in this group for 50 years and we know they're not keeping up. And so we want to set a standard and we want all boats to rise. And so we, we really found some interesting, you know, while APPs are generally not diagnosing, being able to understand how and why the MD did diagnose really starts to bring them more aligned with their MDs and also more facile at being able to deliver the care that the MD will be satisfied with. So it, it starts to build confidence with the MD and, and their ability to collaborate and trust more deeply in their APPs. Well, I hope you found those answers to uh, your healthcare uh, education questions as, as interesting as I did. You know, that's that's a topic that's very difficult for a lot of people because, you know, trying to fit uh, fit the right amount of uh, right amount of uh, content uh, and doing it efficiently for healthcare providers and particularly physicians and other uh, other professionals can be really a difficult uh, a difficult thing to try to accomplish. So. It was great to hear uh, the perspectives that we gained from that. So with that, um, we'll be closing out today's episode of I Don't Care. As always, so happy that you joined us uh, on our little podcast here. You can hear it every Friday morning at 930 Central Standard Time on Market Scale Radio. And as you know, typically after that, it's dropped pretty quickly on Spotify and iTunes. So if you haven't subscribed why haven't you it makes it a lot easier for you it just drops it into your podcast listener so hopefully uh you'll have a great weekend a great week uh we may know something about the election by the time we talk next time who knows but with that this is kevin stevenson saying thanks again and we'll talk to you soon